sharing our faith and passion for the Lord Jesus Christ with others is a desire of Zion Christian Fellowship. Our prayer is that this message will have a lasting impact on your life and draw you closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. This message is not copyrighted. You are free to make copies for friends and neighbors. We only ask that you copy it in its entirety without alterations or changes. Now unto the King Eternal, Immortal, Invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Greetings in Jesus' name. Welcome to the house of God. May grace, mercy, and peace be multiplied to each of you. In Psalm 1, verses 1 and 2, it says that uh, it begins by saying, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. I'd like to speak this morning on one of the things that are mentioned here that brings blessing, and that is the end of that first verse that says, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Now this may seem like a a negative message because it is in one sense, it's kind of focused on something we ought not to be doing. But in the context here, it's one of blessing. If you would love life and see good days, refrain your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking guile. And I think all of us want to have the blessings of life. That's what we would would like to see. And so there are certain rules we need to follow. And among these are listed here that we should not walk... In the counsel of the ungodly, we should not um, allow the ideas and the philosophies of the ungodly to to, uh, chart our course, nor stand in the way of sinners. We should not be keeping company with sinners. And it says, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. So what does it mean to sit in the seat of the scornful? Well, this word scorn, at its root, has the idea of making mouths at, and the idea of mocking. And it even, at its root, has the concept of trying to... um, trying to speak in a foreign language. Now, when you hear someone speak in a foreign language that is not their first language, there tends to be an accent, and sometimes a very strong accent, or it's difficult to properly pronounce the words and to speak fluently. And we sometimes kind of chuckle at that, and and it's a bit humorous. But the concept there 
is the idea of making mockery of what someone else is attempting to do. There is a, um, and that is the idea of scorn, is to, to make a mock or mockery of what someone else is or is doing. Now there are other aspects of scorn. There is the aspect of deriding or setting it not. Those are some parallel thoughts there. Um, to despise. But the blessing here is to those who do not sit in the seat of the scornful. And that would just simply mean to be in a place where you have in your heart scorn. The next verse goes on to say, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And there is a contrast between those two. The verse that says about not walking in the counsel of the ungodly or standing in way of sinners, sitting in the seat of the scornful, but rather you delight in the law of the Lord. Now the law of the Lord is that which guides our life, that says how we should walk, what we should do, and how we should conduct ourselves, and how we should treat others. That is the law of the Lord. And if we want to have a blessing in our life, then we pay attention to the law of the Lord. In fact, as Proverbs, probably more than almost any other book, uses this term scorn or scornful. And it paints a rather unpleasant way of living. More than unpleasant, it brings grief and heartache. A little farther in the chapter, in verse 22, it says, How long, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Now there's a parallel thought in these three terms that he uses here. Ye simple ones... How long, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity? And in this context, what that means, the simple ones are those who are unlearned and uneducated and do not understand what they ought to, and yet they love to have it that way. They are not seeking after knowledge, not seeking to grow to be enlarged or seeking after that wisdom that they ought to have. Rather, they're just content to stay the way they are. No concern. And the scorners delight in their scorning. And as we'll see in a few other verses, the idea there is simply, it could be very simply just, I don't need it. You think I need it? No, I don't need it. Scorners delight in scorning. And that 
Remember in connection with the law of the Lord that we ought to be seeking after with all of our heart, that scorn just says, eh, I don't need it. Proverbs 3 verse 34 says, Surely he scorneth the scorners. And this is God, God's perspective. Surely he scorneth the scorners. The man that says to God, I don't need your precepts. I don't need you. Just a casual attitude or even a you know, kind of a mocking that says, eh, it's not for me. I, I don't need it. Surely he, God, scorneth the scorners, but he giveth grace unto the lowly. He giveth grace unto the lowly, and that's repeated in the New Testament. It's God's principle. He giveth grace to the lowly. And as we'll see throughout here, the lowly is contrasted with the scorner. So that tells us very clearly that scorn is closely connected with pride. In fact, as I consider this, it seems like pride being kind of a general term that encompasses much. Scorn is a little more specific uh, subset of pride. Because only pride would say, I don't need God. It's also closely connected with the fool. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Or, very literally there, that means I have no need of God. That, that's the fool's attitude. I have no need of God. Proverbs 9, 7. He that reproveth a scorner getteth to himself shame, and he that rebuketh a wicked man getteth himself a blot. And in verse 8, next verse, it says, Reprove not a scorner, lest he hate thee. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love thee. See the contrast there? A scorner, being reproved, hates the one who reproved him because he doesn't need it. Uh, but a wise man will love reproof. Now that's repeated many times throughout Proverbs. And oftentimes it's connected with a fool. Who doesn't want to hear? He doesn't want to receive correction. He doesn't want to uh, gain knowledge or wisdom. But a wise person, a man who is wise, will not hate someone who reproves him, but will rather uh, love him. Chapter 13, verse 1. A wise son heareth his father's instruction, but a scorner heareth not rebuke. And chapter 15, verse 12, again, A scorner loveth not one that reproveth him, neither will he go unto the wise. 
And here's another one. Proverbs 22, verse 10. Cast out the scorner, and contention shall go out. Yea, strife and reproach shall cease. Wow, that's a big one. Cast out the scorner, and contention shall go out. Now there's a parallel verse that speaks about pride, where it says, only by pride cometh contention. And so, again, we see a clear parallel between pride and scorn. And blessed is the man that sitteth not in the seat of the scornful. So scorn is an attitude, of, it begins as an attitude in the heart that is resistant to correction, to instruction. It elevates self to say, I don't need whatever it is you have, or I don't need more wisdom, I have enough. I'm, I can manage it myself. But back in our text, it says, Blessed is the man who does not sit in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And to meditate therein day and night means I want to be instructed of the Lord. I want to know what is pleasing to the Lord. I want to pattern my life after godliness. I want to hear instruction. I even want to have reproof if I need it. And it starts as an attitude in the heart. Blessed is the man that doesn't sit in the seat of the scornful. You say, well, that's in the Old Testament. What about the New Testament? Well... I would like to look at a number of places where it speaks about this in the New Testament. And it's not just in the term scorn. It's not found real often. But there are other terms like deride or to mock or the term despising. Those are all related terms. Despising, kind of a, uh, I'm a little bit better than you. Or, I would never do something like that. Or, oh, that is so stupid. You know, just kind of that turning of the lip, that, that just, you know, I'm, I'm better than that. So the first we want to consider in the New Testament is simply the life of Christ And this is a little bit different aspect of scorn. But Christ received scorn in his life. And so will you. That will be our next point. But we'll start with Christ. We read in the Gospels and some of the accounts there, particularly in the one where there was a young girl that was sick. And he was asked to come. And it was thought that she had died. And it says that she, she died. 
And Jesus, being there, he told the people to go out of the room. And he said, the girl is not dead, but is sleeping. And they laughed him to scorn. It tells us that in three of the Gospels. They laughed him to scorn. There we go. You know, it was just... They laughed him to scorn. The one who had created this girl, the one who was God, come in the flesh, they laughed him to scorn. Thinking... He doesn't know what he's talking about. So Christ being perfect and receiving scorn should tell us a little something about scorn because we as humans, we make mistakes. We do things that probably could give rise to scorn. You know, we're, we make, yeah, we... We aren't perfect like Christ was, but Christ received scorn. When he was on the cross, it is said that they derided him. And they said, if thou be the Christ, save thyself and come down from the cross. They went by wagging their heads and mocking him and saying these kinds of things. If thou be the Christ, save thyself. And that was prophesied in Psalm 22. It said very clearly that they passing by, they wagged their heads and they mocked and they said, if thou uh, let him uh, save himself if he trusted in God, let uh, let him trust in God. So Christ suffered scorn. And so then going to the second point here in this matter of scorn is that we as followers of Christ are also to be, are going to be scorned. And I think we need to arm ourselves with the same mind that Christ had and just understand that to live a Christian life is to going to expose you to a certain amount of scorn from the heathen. Now we, we like to think that our wonderful testimony of Christ, which it should be, I'm, I'm not using that in, a, in any kind of a negative sense, we should have a glorious testimony, our life should be blameless. And we like to think that that will, will actually um, draw people and make them appreciate us. And for some it will. But for others it will produce scorn, contempt. And that which is good, even the good that you may have done, will be mocked and despised. Uh, Let's look at several passages that tell us that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27. If you want to turn to those, we'll... In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27 says, But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. 
And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and base things of the world, and things which are despised, hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are. Yea, the things which are despised. God takes the small things, the despised things, even to follow Christ, is to be in the eyes of the world despised. Let's look at another one in Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 32, Hebrews 10, 32. But call to remembrance the former days in which, after ye were illuminated, ye endured a great fight of afflictions, partly whilst ye were made a gazing stock, both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly whilst ye became companions of them that were so used. For ye had compassion of me in my bonds, and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that ye have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. Cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. So we are made a gazing stock. You know what a gazing stock is? It's those who are set forth for mockery. They're just, there is a despising, a mockery of those who are doing what is right and following God. And the, the idea here is that we have joined ourselves to those kind of people. We have become companions of them who were so used because we identify with Christ, we identify with his people, and there is a certain reproach that is going to follow those who do so. And particularly in this world and the age in which we live. Why do I say that? It tells us that in the last days perilous times shall come And it speaks about men who will be lovers of their own selves. They'll be boastful, proud, covetous, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, truce breakers. And then it says despisers of those that are good. Despisers of those that are good. Yes, even your good will be mocked and will be despised. If you show yourself an example of godliness in your manner of life, you will be despised. And I guess my burden on this point is that all of us need to have an understanding and an acceptance of that concept. That if I choose to follow what is right. And if I choose to do good, and if I choose to identify with the people of God without shame or compromise, I will be reproached. If I choose to do things 
contrary to this world. If I do not follow them in their same excess of riot, as it says in Peter, if I do not dress myself like them, if I do not follow the lusts that they do, if I eschew the pride of life and all of those things, there will be a reproach. And we identify with Christ as he, as it says, he went without the camp and we go to him without the camp bearing his reproach. If they despise Christ, they will despise us. And Jesus even went so far as to say those very things. He said, he that despiseth you, despiseth me. He that receiveth you, receiveth me. That's what he said to his his disciples. So arm yourself and be willing to embrace even the things that give rise to mockery and scorn from this world. And especially, as I said, in this age where perilous times will be, where men will be despisers of those that are good. Now let's go on to several other places where it talks about despising. I'll just refer to the one. I won't, uh, we won't turn there, but you know, I'm sure, well the story Uh, the parable that Jesus gave about two men who went up to the temple to pray. The one prayed thus with himself and said, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are. And then the second man who simply prayed, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And this man was a publican, and in that day the publicans were despised as cast-offs or wicked or whatever. And it tells us before this parable that he gave this parable because of certain, and he names the Pharisees, he says they, they trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. There's that word despised. They, they had a scorn. They, they thought themselves to be righteous and despised others. Now, we saw a little graphic example of that in, when we visited in Israel some months back. And I may have told this story to some or many of you, I'm not sure, but as we were there near the old city of Jerusalem, we were actually outside, just in a little park area, and other people were coming and going, and, and here comes three or four little boys, younger boys, they were maybe ranging in age from 6 to 12, I don't know exact age, but one of the young boys, probably 10 years old, was, he, as he went by, he spit in our direction. And it was kind of brushed off. I didn't witness it personally. Others in the group saw it. But later, this, this boy was going on down the street and, and he met another religious man who was dressed in specific garb of his sect. And, 
And he very deliberately spit toward that man. And so we recognize that he is showing his disdain. Just a 10-year-old boy showing his disdain for those who are not like him or whatever it was that motivated him to despise others. Uh, perhaps it was because we were Gentiles. I don't, I don't know. And this other man he spit toward was some sect that was different than the one he belonged to. I would suspect that this boy didn't just get this from himself, but he probably learned it from others. And while that's maybe a very uh, specific and outward kind of scorn and, and despising of others, it seems like this is the very thing Jesus was talking about here, where there was... And, and in other places, talked about the Pharisees. There, the leaven of the Pharisees was hypocrisy. While they thought themselves to be righteous, they were inwardly full of all sorts of wickedness. And, and yet, even in that wickedness, they thought themselves to be righteous and scorned others. Strong warnings from Jesus about that kind of scorn, despising others. But what about us? What about us? Do we have a sense of disdain or despising? Well, there's warnings in the scriptures, and let's turn, if you would, with me to Romans chapter 14. And here is a place where it talks about despising. It's in the context of brothers in a church, church relationships. It says in verse 1 of chapter 14, Him that is weak in the faith receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. For one believeth that he may eat all things, another who is weak eateth herbs. Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not, and let not him which eateth. I'm sorry, let me read that again. Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not, and let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth, for God hath received him. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. One man esteemeth one day above another. Another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regardeth the day regardeth it unto the Lord. And he that regardeth not the day to the Lord, he doth not regard it. 
He that eateth, eateth to the Lord, for he giveth God thanks. And he that eateth not, to the Lord he eateth not, and giveth God thanks. For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord. And whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live therefore or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be Lord both of the dead and living. But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set at naught thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, this passage may, I would, I would suggest that it probably makes us squirm a little bit in our heart because this cuts pretty deep to some of the very deep issues of church relationships and how we look at our brother with whom we disagree. One man thinks it should be this way, and one man thinks it should be this way. And I'm not going to attempt to expound on all of it, but I would say at the heart of it is this one thing, that you do not despise your brother. It says here, let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not. And that would seem to be, if I understand this correctly, that the one man who does not eat thinks that he ought not to. In his mind, in his conscience, it says that he ought not to do that, and so he refrains from doing that. And we might say, well, he is more careful, if you want to use that term, than the other man who... In his heart, he understands that it's not really an issue. It's, it's, um... But let not him that eateth, who allows this in his own heart, despise him that eateth not. You see how damaging this can be in a, in a brotherhood when there is that attitude of, uh, why would he... Why does he think that's a problem? Or why, why would he do that? And the principle that is laid out here in, in various ways, one of the main points is that we ought not to judge or despise because we, it says, whether we live or whether... We live unto the Lord, and whether we die, we die unto the Lord. And that none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. There should be a sense of care one for another, where we don't begin to mock or even despise in our heart the view or position that our brother has, even if we disagree with it. Even if we say, well, I'm, I'm not quite there. But we should not be despising one of another. 
Let's go to another passage where it talks about that in James chapter 2. Verse 1, reading here, My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. For if there come unto your assembly a man with a gold ring and goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment, and ye have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, and say unto him, Sit thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, Stand thou there, or sit here under my footstool. Are ye not then partial in yourselves, and are become judges of evil thoughts? Hearken, my beloved brethren. Hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom which he hath promised to them that love him? But ye have despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you, and draw you before the judgment seats? Do not they blaspheme that worthy name by the which ye are called? If ye fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, ye do well. But if ye have respect to persons, ye commit sin, and are convinced of the law as transgressors. And the one I want there is that ye have despised the poor, it says. There is that scorn. Now, I think most of us, I trust that most of us would would have the grace to not scorn someone if they actually walked into our midst with, as it says here, the vile clothing. They don't they don't look nice and neat. Maybe they're poor. Um, I would trust that we would, we would treat them well. But what is the, the, the spirit here, and I think the where we need to be careful, is that not just the people with the vile clothing, as we say, but even people that live maybe more frugally than we do, or maybe because of financial hardships, you know, can't afford what we can, or those kind of things. We, we can project a sense of, you know, just... Oh, not not open scorn, but just kind of a just kind of a casual. Ah, well, you know, he just he can just never quite get it together. <laughs> you know, is yeah, they're just poorly. You know, I mean, they just uh, can't ever quite seem to get it together. You know, there's there's a danger that we should not fall into that. And 
again back to the um, what I explained about the definition of of a of scorn of making mouths out of mocking and even the root description there is of uh, imitating someone or trying to pronounce a foreign language and there is a there is a very important lesson especially for young children growing up they need to be taught not to mock and not to scoff at those who can't do what they do um, I've known grown people who look back in their childhood and will say that they were frequently mocked or scoffed at or scorned because they couldn't do what others did. They couldn't, uh, on the playground, they, they couldn't run like the others or they were always clumsy. They were never good at anything. And, and just that, you know, that scorn and and mockery that goes with that. That should never be. You know, it shouldn't be tolerated in children. And I realize, yes, it is. it comes, shall we say, naturally from the flesh. Those things need to just be taught and trained out. But I have also seen times where it seemed that the scorn that I would hear from children, I would suspect, was part of their home life. It just had that aroma. And that is what we need to guard against. As parents, as adults, when it comes to other cultures and other people, there is, there is a there is a natural barrier that tends to be there because they don't do things like we do. And while I think I, I have no specific person or issues in mind because I think in many cases and in many places you have done well in this matter of not despising other cultures and other people, groups, and um, but it is something we need to guard against and, and work on, that we have the grace and the mind of Christ not to make, uh, make a mockery of those who are not like us. Blessed, blessed is the man that sitteth not in the seat of the scornful. We should, I think, make some effort to try and identify in our lives if there is any place where we have in our heart a sense of scorn or a looking down on someone who is not like me or maybe even someone I don't agree with. It's a form of pride, a form of pride that says, well, yeah, I, I wouldn't do that. 
Well, maybe you wouldn't. But what about the things that you do do that others might see and have reason to complain about? You know, there should just be a humility in our own hearts that we are not better than others. Um, We should not be puffed up in our own mind to think that, well, I would never mispronounce words like that, you know, or I would, you know, I'm whatever, you know, you, you fill in the blanks. I would, I just wouldn't want to be caught wearing what they wear, you know, because it's too to whatever. I don't don't like it. What what is our life? I mean it's or maybe it's just a, an attitude of well, I don't need to be that close to my brother or I, I don't need to hear what this sister has to say. Because I don't need it. And do we project that kind of an attitude or just a kind of a standoffish like I don't Yeah, I don't I don't agree with them. I don't uh, I don't like how they conduct their life and so you know, just I, I, I just don't need them. Let's beware. Blessed is the man that doesn't sit in the seat of the scornful. You want to love life, see good days, uh, then, then pay heed here and says, Blessed is the one who doesn't do that. But rather his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. The more we meditate on that law, the more we become like that law. The more we meditate on what Christ did and what his life was, the more we become like him because we love him. And we give ourselves to that seeking after Christ, seeking after being conformed to his image and to love his law, and we can grow more and more in his likeness and less and less sitting in the seat of the scornful. May God bless you with that.